Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 497. Going on a cruise solo is an experience in and of itself, and this week I wanted to talk about my important things that I think everybody going solo should know before they cruise solo. Here we go. Having recently sailed on Mariner of the Seas, we talked about that in last week's episode, about my general thoughts on it, but it was also my first opportunity to go solo on a cruise in a little while, and we haven't really talked about solo cruising in a really long time here on the podcast. So this week I wanted to talk about the nuances, if you will, of going on a solo cruise and advice for anybody going on a solo cruise, whether it's their first time or they're trying it again like me, there are things, there are things that you should know about going on a solo cruise, and certainly they reinforce some of these things for me. Going solo on a cruise is kind of a big deal, especially when you do it for the first time. The more you do it, the more you get used to it, certainly, and it kind of loses any kind of negative connotations, I think, in the sense that, like, oh, gosh, am I making a mistake? I think that's probably one of the biggest concerns people have about going by themselves on a cruise is, am I making a mistake? Will I regret it five minutes into the ship or, you know, an hour into the ship and you suddenly feel alone, bored, isolated, uh, whatever the case may be? And the good news is I really don't think that's the case. I mean, unless you are truly uh, dependent on somebody else for, you know, how you have a good time, I think you can have a great time solo on a cruise, something that really endears me to. And certainly on shorter sailings, I think it's it works better than maybe longer sailings. I'm sure there's listeners here who have done, you know, transatlantic repositioning cruises of, you know, 14 or more nights and gone solo and have no problems at all. So obviously that's not to say that that's a, it is an issue if you were to do a longer sailing solo, but if you're trying to do a solo cruise the first time, I think maybe a shorter cruise would make some sense. I'd of course, it's a five night Western Caribbean sailing and having done a solo cruise again, this is not my first one by any means. It's just kind of, there were some things that kind of came to the surface again. I was like, Oh yeah, that's how it is. So I kind of wanted to share this here also for your benefit and also for my benefits so that, you know, a couple months from now when I do this again and I forget all these lessons learned, I can listen back to this podcast episode about what solo cruisers should know. Now, first of all, when you tell your friends and family that aren't cruising, that you're going solo, you're going to get some awkward conversations. I, it's like every time I tell my, my parents, you know, hey, I'm going on a cruise this weekend. And of course, the first question is, oh, are wife and kids going with you? No, kids, I got school. Oh, wife's going with you. Of course, they call her by name, but you know what I mean? Uh, no, they're, I'm going by myself. And it's like always like a, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and my parents are being nice. They at least know the 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 situation with me here but when you obviously tell people who are just you know family friends right people you see acquaintances you certainly get people who just don't understand why you'd want to go on a cruise by yourself and let's talk about why would you go on to go on a cruise by yourself now you're not going to convince these people why it's a good idea but essentially the appeal of going on a cruise by yourself well number one it's either that or you don't go on a cruise i think for a lot of people when you choose to cruise solo and you have the option or you could have had the option of selling somebody i think most people probably prefer to sail with somebody else. But in my situation, obviously, I love going with my family, or at least my wife at the very least, and going on a cruise is great for that, right? But at the same time, I'm not going to let it stop me. Basically, if it comes down to it, if no cruise or cruise solo, I will cruise solo. So I think it's number one. The number one reason why to cruise solo is because it's an opportunity to cruise when otherwise you might not be able to. Number two, it's a very liberating experience. Now, as I said, I like cruising with my family, and I really do enjoy it. And, and trust me, if I had the choice... I would always cruise with my family rather than solo. That being said, when you cruise by yourself, you kind of are able to do what you want when you want to do it. That sounds pretty simple, but when you're on the ship, it feels liberating in the sense you don't have to negotiate 
what your next step is going to be. As an example, you know, if you want to go to a particular restaurant or you want to wake up at a certain time or stay out later or go to sleep earlier, there's none of this, hey, what do you want to do kind of conversation, right? You're being you're being polite and you're asking your people you're sailing with, you know, what their plans are and working with their schedule. It's not all about what you want. But when you're solo, it is indeed all about what you want. And that's a really fun thing to do, quite frankly. It's like I said, it's liberating. And again, I don't necessarily need to do that every single sailing, but it's nice to have that option. And certainly when I consider a solo cruise, that's probably one of the first things I think about is, oh yeah, that's a pretty compelling reason, right? And of course, most importantly, and this could have made the list as well, but you get double crown and anchor points, which really helps you move up the crown and anchor society faster. You know, people always ask, you know, how do I move up crown and anchor society to get to diamond faster or any level for that matter? Truly, if you book cruises solo, you will move up the ladder a heck of a lot faster. Heck, if you stay in a suite by yourself, three points a night, that will really help quite a bit. I don't know that I would necessarily tell anybody they should book a cruise by themselves purely to move up the crown and anchor ladder faster. I'm not really a fan of booking cruises or going on cruises specifically to just move up the the, the, the levels of crown and anchor society necessarily, but it's a nice benefit as well. But when you try to explain to other people who don't cruise or just family and friends, they're just going to think you're weird. And it is what it is, so don't worry too much about it. Now, number two is definitely the social aspect. So when you're by yourself on a cruise, I think the first thing that always strikes me about the experience is you kind of lose that ability to have small talk with somebody, right? It's not to say that, like, you know, when you're with somebody, you're having really interesting and engaging conversations all the time. But when you're cruising somebody else, you can have little side conversations like, oh, wow, that's weird. Or mm, this tastes good. Ooh, how's your dinner, right? Oh, ooh, it's raining outside. Ooh, it's hot outside. Ooh, you know, those kind of like, offhand comments. Again, you don't really notice it when you're, you know, in everyday life, but the longer you're by yourself, the more you miss out on that little small talk conversation. And while that, that is kind of a stumbling block in some cases, I feel like there's ways around that certainly. And that is, of course, you can strike up conversations with other people on board the ship. Um, a, a great idea is, of course, crew members is a perfect starting place. Waiters, bartenders, especially you try to find a less than busy bar, sit over there, there's a good chance you can have a good conversation with the person there, and it's really nice to be able to do that. So there's opportunities for that. Number two, and the activities that you find in the cruise compass are a great way to meet people and 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 break the ice, so to speak, especially as a solo cruiser. Remember, just because you're booked the cruise by yourself doesn't mean you can't hang out with anybody or make friends on the ship, certainly. And so if you run into people who are nice and quaint and you enjoy their company, you know, you may be make a friend or maybe you just have a conversation at the bar. Either way. That's something to consider, and certainly the activities are a great way for that. In terms of dining, I think that's probably another issue people always talk about. You know, I've gotten used to this one. This one doesn't really bother me from solo cruise to back to regular cruise to solo cruise again. But certainly, when you're seating by your when you're cruising by yourself, rather, a lot of people want to know. You know, if you're by your, you know, what the seating arrangement is. Right in the main dining room, it can really depend. Um, you know, in general, let's forget solo cruises for a second. You can request tables by yourself to begin with, right? And in some cases, you can, as a, if you do the traditional dining, you know, Royal Caribbean assigns your table for you. I have seen it go both ways, where they assign you a table by yourself automatically, and I have seen it where they assign you a table with somebody else. I remember, not this time, but the last time I was on Mariner of the Seas alone on a cruise, which was uh, back in the summer of 22, I... I was solo, I ate in the main dining room, and I was expecting to sit at a table with other people, and then I got to my table, and it was just me over there. So you never know. You can certainly talk to the head waiter and ask to, for one or the other, but it is a bit of a gamble in a sense, but I would argue it's a bit of a gamble on any cruise you go to, whether or not you'll be seated 
with other people. Number three, it is really nice having the whole cabin to yourself. I got to say, I mean, I talked earlier about the fact that, you know, it's, it's, it's liberating. It's do what you want to do when you want to do it. But when you can just enjoy the entire cabin, including the bathroom by yourself, you have to worry about other people. It's a very <laughs> nice experience. You know what? It's just, you know, so you're not winning anybody. The, the bathroom's always available to you. You could spread out with the bed. You know, speaking of the bed, something that people talk about, one of the cabin hacks, especially if you're seeing an inside cabin, which is very common among solo cruisers, you know, they like separating the beds because it provides more space or it feels like there's more space in the room given the layout. I actually, pref- I'm not saying they're wrong. I just prefer to have the bed together for one reason. And that is you could just spread out. You sleep on one side one night, another side the other night, you wake up in the middle of the bed. No problem. I like having that extra space. Maybe that's just me, but I really enjoy that. But it's really nice to just have the, you know, if you make a mess, if you leave something out, no one's going to notice, right? So, you know, whether we're talking about watching TV or deciding what time you want to wake up or go to bed, you know, you have the cabin yourself. It's a really nice thing, you know, to, to be able to have there. So enjoy that when you're cruising solo. I think it's one thing that people miss out on is, you know, take advantage of it. I mean, I, you don't want to, you know, be a glutton or anything like that, but you know, you got the room to yourself, enjoy the room by to yourself, right? And, 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 you know, sleep in, have the alarm go off when you want it, whatever works for you. I think it's a really good idea. Um, I think another tip for ways to kind of feel a little camaraderie, because I think when I cruise solo, most of the time I'm totally fine by myself. But again, there are times I kind of miss having just like small talk or conversations with people and the crew members can only go so far, right? A really good alternative are shore excursions because shore excursions by their very nature are group activities. And when you book a Royal Caribbean shore excursion, you're going to be with other people on there. And I feel like this is a natural way to meet people on board. So if you're looking to, um, maybe you're not, again, not necessarily you're trying to make a new friend, but it's just nice to be able to talk to people. Shore excursions just tend to lend themselves towards being a little more social. So it's a really good crutch to be able to meet people and talk and hang out because I think it's just in general, again, solo or not, I just end up striking up more conversations with people on shore excursions than anywhere else. Next um, on my list here that I wrote down um, is that there are solo events on boards occasionally. Royal Caribbean is not great with this. I think other cruise lines do a better job of it, but you could look in the cruise compass for solo meetups, things like that. I wouldn't rely on it. They do exist. So just something to keep in mind when you're, you know, looking for something to do, certainly um, to to enjoy. Uh, next up, something, you know, we talked earlier about people like you have weird conversations that you're telling them you're going on a solo. When you're on board, I think a lot of people who are by themselves almost feel like, Everyone's looking at them like, why is that person by themselves? Whether they're at the bar by themselves, whether they're at a restaurant by themselves or, or anywhere on board. Here's the reality. Nobody notices you. I got to be perfectly honest with you. Unless somebody's asking how many in your party, like a crew member, it rarely comes up. It's very normal to see somebody by themselves on a cruise ship because I think most people assume, oh, that person's friends or family are somewhere else on the ship. This happens all the time. Think about it. If you're on your cruise with your family or friends, but they're doing something else and you go to a bar by yourself. Do you think the same thought process? Oh gosh, everyone thinks I'm here by myself and I'm kind of weird. No, it's, you know, um, <laughs> people don't think that way. So don't feel like you're, you, you're standing out from that perspective from it. Um, and, and, and when you're out there, if this is your style, certainly it's not a bad idea also to, you know, join some of the activities that might also be a way for you to kind of uh, enjoy your time more without having to worry or I don't worry or be concerned with people knowing, you know, what you're doing, putting yourself out there a little bit, right? Whether we're talking about trying the Flowrider Surf Simulator, doing karaoke, there are really good um, opportunities there. 
And I think the last tip that I have about going solo to help, again, these are ways to, you don't have to use them if you don't want to, but like you know, crutches, I'll call them for, for when you're feeling a little lonely. And this is definitely buy an internet package. Uh, buy an internet package, so that way you can you know communicate text, post on social media, back with friends and family back home. That's a real help. Uh, number two as well, kind of related to that, is you know find a roll call, a Facebook group uh, for your sailing. We have a roll call forum on our realgreenblog.com message boards that you can join for free and meet other people on your sailing. But there's also Facebook groups for your sailings. And this is a good way both pre-cruise and during the sailing to meet people and and find different events there. Um, it's kind of neat to use the uh, these options to, you know, again, whether or not you end up hanging out with anybody, doesn't matter. You go to one event, you go to all of them, but at least you have that, I don't want to call it a safety net, but at least you have that opportunity, that option there to be able to meet people on board. Usually, and it depends on the groups because not every roll call is exactly the same. Some people who go on a sailing will just simply, it'll be like four or five people and they'll say, hey, I'm on the sailing and nothing ever happens. Uh, alternatively, you may have a really organized group with slot pulls in the casino and bar meetups and things of that nature, and you can join those as well. So it might be a really good way at least to start off with, and hey, if it doesn't work, you know, it, no, no harm, no foul. You didn't lose out on anything. But I think the internet package really does help bridge that gap with being able to communicate with people back home and, and just, you know, I think have that sense of like connection if you're not going to find it on board the ship or just to augment what you're finding on board the ship. All right, time to answer emails. And we'll start off with an email from Bowtie Brigade. Great username. Writes, hi, Matt. First, I'd like to thank you for the entertaining information you put out each and every week. You and your team have made it so my family has gotten so much more out of vacations than we would have otherwise. That being said, Royal's recent changes have me concerned that the line is going the way of Disney. It's going to price us out of switching lines. Between hiked fares, reduced services and amenities to celebrate Crown and Anchor's 25th anniversary, no less, and fewer dining options, the main dining room menus, for example, which now have roughly 40% fewer choices on the menu nightly, and yes, I'm still bitter about the lobster, I can't shake the feeling that Royal is charging more for less. You said previously that most of the changes do not impact you directly, do not matter that much to you, or are actually beneficial to you in the case of the faster dinners. What cuts could Royal Caribbean make that would start questioning for you whether the value of the line is better? And how do we, who are loyal to Royal Caribbean, shake the nagging concern that Royal Caribbean no longer values our loyalty? This is a great email, great question, and I think it's a very fair question, and I and, and I appreciate reaching out with this. Too. I think it's an important topic to talk about, and, and I want to go straight to the your questions at the end. Maybe we'll kind of backtrack there because you're right. A lot of the changes that have happened, I'm not denying that some of these things aren't cuts. Uh, I feel like some of the cuts that have occurred or changes, however you want to look at it, just don't materially impact the core experience of what a roller coaster cruise is all about. Right? That that's my personal opinion of it. I'm not saying that you all should think exactly the same way that I do. Like as an example, the main dining room menus, um, I don't really don't mind it, but I don't, I'm not a picky eater per se. I don't, I didn't need to fully rely on the, uh, signature options that were there before the classics. That's what it was. Um, there I, I've tried the new menus. I really don't mind them. And I actually prefer the speed of it and I don't eat lobster. So that is obviously a mat thing, right? That, that benefits me. Um, you know, the reduced services and amenities are kind of an anchor society. I thought the perks that they cut back were just, they were not, they were like, they were perks that really, I didn't take that terrible advantage of. Like as an example, let's talk about crown anchors. You wanted, you want to know what cuts would Royal Caribbean make that would start questioning whether the value of another line is better. Great question. So with crown and anchor, there are some core benefits that I would point to as being really critical, right? Uh, chief among them, number one with a bullet, I think we can all agree on this would be the complimentary drinks as part of the diamond status. I actually prefer the change they made since COVID with going from 
uh, a limited drink menu to a full drink menu with the idea that you can't drink unlimited in the, in the Diamond Lounge. Again, I never really sat in the Diamond Lounge for hours on end, you know, consuming, uh, you know, dozens or not dozens, but a lot more than four or five, you know, bottle glasses of wine or or or, you know, or, or beers in there because I always <laughs> I thought the Crown and Anchor Diamond Drink menu was terrible. It was always low quality. I mean, nothing. If you yeah, if you loved the old menu, more power to you. But I personally didn't like those things, and I greatly prefer having the drinks, the full, basically a poor man's drink package with this new one where I go anywhere on the ship. This is especially helpful when you're cruising with friends and family who are not diamond and you don't have to be like, okay, now I got to disappear for a couple hours because I got to get my drink on upstairs where it's, you know, where it's free. Um, now that being said, again, if they got rid of that, that would be a problem. So that's like, that's like a core competency for me right there. Um, you know, other crown and anchor benefits, certainly the free days of internet that we get as diamond members. Uh, so the, the balcony discounts, you know, those are things that I think are more paramount to the overall experience on board. Um, in terms of, you know, the, I don't think they're ever going to get rid of the main dining room. They're not going to get rid of the Windjammer buffet. I think there's always going to be options there. Um, the nice, see, with the dining package has really helped with the specialty restaurants because I am the first to admit, I'll tell you this, there's no reason Chops Grill is not worth $50 a person. Um, I will never pay $50 a person for Chops Grill. And that's because I'll, if I go to Chops Grill, I'll be using the dining package. And if you calculate the average per meal price, it's like half that, which I do think is worth it. So I guess there is a point at some point where that is. I don't know exactly, but that's a consideration. The cruise fares are interesting, um, and I don't have a number on that. I mean, there's value that's out there. The nice thing about Royal Caribbean's fleet is that there's a number of different ships, and obviously you can see pricing on that. I was just on Mariner this season last week, and I wrote an article about how I think Mariner is like the best value in the fleet right now. I mean, the Voyager class in general is really a fantastic value. So maybe Icon is too pricey out there. I'm not here to tell you that it's cheap because it's not cheap, but if there are ships that are out that are too expensive, there's still other ships that are loved ships, beloved ships, in fact, that are great values out there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things, of course, you know, I think we all have our third rails that we know of that would be a problem. Um, I can't sit here and list every single one of them that would be the case, but certainly I take it on a per case basis. What I thought when I first heard about it, I thought, mm, this is a problem was the twice a day to once a day cabin servicing of the staterooms. When that was announced, I wrote that post kind of angrily. And then the more I thought about it, and then after I experienced it, I realized it really wasn't that big of a deal. But, you know, there are certain things that, you know, we figure out, are they really, do they materially impact the experience on a cruise? And um, I wish I could give you more, like, more specifics. I mean, I just feel like, you know, like I can say, oh, if they get rid of the pool, they're never gonna get rid of the pool, obviously, right? trying to think of like policies that would like the drink stuff with the diamond is like one that you could certainly foresee right and i really don't think they're gonna get rid of that i, just, I think they know that's a problem but that would be a, that would certainly be an issue there um and then your last part of your question was how do we how do we who are loyal to rail shake the nagging concern that rail Caribbean no longer values our loyalty this is a really good question as well um i think there's a couple things to think about number one and this is something i have to remind myself about a lot is that, well, first of all, Royal Caribbean is a business, but I'm not here to tell you that you should be oh, happily smile with it, but they're a business. But most importantly, things change, things evolve. Cruising is different today than it was 10 years ago, which was different than 10 years before that, which was, that, which was different 10 years before that. Um, if you were to look at a Royal Caribbean cruise in 1982, 1992, 2002, and 2012, and 2022, 
they're materially different from each other. And anybody who says, well, things are worse today here in 2023 compared to what they were 20 years ago, I guarantee you the people 20 years ago would have said the same thing about 20 years before that. It's relative, but things are always changing. It's never been the same cruise experience unless you want to go back to like pre-1970 or something like that. And in which case you're on your own on that conversation. I can't, I don't know what to tell you about after that, but it's always evolved. It has always changed. And I think we should expect it to continue to change. Now that isn't to say it necessarily needs to negatively change continuously, but it's going to be an evolution of things, right? We don't dress the same way as we did, you know, for, for meals out 20 years ago. Um, I remember as a kid, when we did an international flight, my parents made us, me and my sister, we had to go take a shower and then get changed and like get dressed up for our international flight. This was in the early to mid 1990s um, on an international flight, right? Uh, that's definitely not the case anymore, right? Uh, that's, that's in the airlines here in the cruise lines. Obviously we've seen an evolution to that. And I used to, you know, I would, and I still do get dressed up for a formal night uh, on the cruise ship, but even for dinner, you know, I'll wear something nicer than I was wearing during the daytime. That's, I mean, kind of passe at this point, but that's society in general. And then when it relates to, you know, your concern that Royal Caribbean doesn't value our loyalty, that I disagree. I, I could, and the reason why I say that is go to a top tier event and take a couple minutes and talk to one of the officers that is there. Go speak to the loyalty ambassador. Um, you know, send an email to Royal Caribbean after, or in the post cruise survey rather. Um, po post your, put in your post cruise survey, uh, you'd like to have someone contact you, or you have a real problem with something like that. When you talk to the cruise line beyond the digital form, what I mean by that is like, you know, posting on Twitter, Facebook, you know, it, it's not personal. And I don't think people get that sense of it. But when you talk to the, to these people in person, one of the overriding major themes is how important the, the customer experience is and how important the loyal customer experience is. There's no doubt that the Royal Caribbean marketing department is chasing after millennials and, and certain demographics that are out there, right? But that isn't to say that the cruise line in its core does not value the people that are their loyal customers. That's a big part of their business. And I have the unique opportunity, and this isn't about me, but I'm just saying I have a unique opportunity to be able to talk more to certain high-level executives, whether it's Michael Bailey, Richard Schneider, or Lincoln D'Souza. You've heard some of these people here on this podcast. And I can tell you guys, both with stuff they've told me on the record that you've heard on this podcast and things that they've just mentioned in, in passing conversation, that they hold themselves to, to borrow a term from uh, Hebrew national hot dogs, <laughs> they hold themselves to a higher standard. And that is the Crown and Anchor Society, their loyal guests. Michael Bailey is one of the best about this. I don't know that he gets enough credit for it. But in talking to executives, one of the things that they always tell me is you know whenever they're trying something out evolving whatever testing they get feedback from mr bailey about oh cruisers aren't going to like this this is a really important mantra that they really harp on so and now again i can't pass that you're you're trying to set a you know deal with the this this nagging feeling right and me matt saying don't worry about it doesn't help it's like someone's saying calm down like that never, nobody ever calms down when someone says calm down right <laughs> same basic idea there but my, my only suggestion to you is speak to the officers on board your next Royal Caribbean ship in person and, you know, shoot the breeze with them a little bit and get a sense of where things are going. Things are changing, certainly. But if you don't think those officers on board 
are dedicated to the guest experience and hearing your feedback. And you know, if there's a problem addressing it, I mean, I, I, I think that's, that should tell you all you need to know about that. Again, not to say that like, you know, they're going to do backflip story, be like, you know, oh, Mr. Bowtie Brigade, um, can we, you know, can we, can we set up a human pyramid to impress you or something like that? It's not like that. But trust me when I tell you that I feel like they certainly have that, that sense of uh, importance that they placed on the guest experience there. And, um, and, and lastly, and I kind of alluded to this, but you should do this as well. The post-cruise surveys, really important. Let them know. Use it. I mean, it's supposed to be the post-cruise, like, you know, what did you enjoy in your sailing? This can be, this is your soapbox. Use it. Be like, you know, I had a nice, this server was good. I enjoyed this. And by the way, you guys should really reconsider blah, 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 and do this instead. And this is a problem. I like this. That's what it's there for. It's one of the best places for that feedback. So before you hit the submit button uh, on your on your customer survey after cruise, use that opportunity to share oh, any thoughts you have on Royal Caribbean. And um, like I said in earlier, if you especially are like, hey, I want to talk to somebody about this. I really think this is a problem. You'd be surprised how often Royal Caribbean reaches out to that person to kind of follow up on that. So it's hard over digital to get the sense that people care because if someone writes to you, you know, your, 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 your business is very important to us. Like, okay, we've heard that from like everybody, right? My, when I bring my car in for service at the dealer, that's like what they say, right? Okay, whatever. Um, that's why I'm saying try to get as much personal stuff. I think from the personal side, I have yet to see that change. And that's what gives me some solace that things are going in the right direction. So it's a really good email, really good question for bringing that up. And, I, and I'm glad you did because I think we need to talk more about that. And I don't want this to be, well, you're all wrong if you don't think Royal Caribbean is the best. I don't think Royal Caribbean is the best. I don't think they're perfect by any means. I think, I think they are the best, but I think they're not perfect. They don't do everything the correct way. And I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with uh, we as the customers for demanding better. So good conversation. Next email is from Angelo. Hi, Matt. I love the podcast. Please keep it up. I'm going on my first cruise in December on Lure the Seas. I was just wondering if the alcohol beverage package is something good to invest in. Angela, thanks for the email. Um, it can be. If you drink enough every day of your cruise, you can absolutely save money with a drink package. The question is, will you drink enough to make it worthwhile? If you can drink, again, it depends on which drink package you're talking about, but for the alcohol package, gosh, five or so drinks a day, it'll pretty much break even on there. John Ansock has our next email for us. Hi, Matt. Love, love keeping up with the blogs. Uh, love keeping up with things on the blog. You and your team do a wonderful job. My wife and I are going on a lure of the seas. And I have to admit that my travel agent is horrible and not helpful at all. I've arranged my transportation from the airport to my hotel and then from the hotel back to the cruise port. However, I was wondering if you know if I can book an airport transfer from the cruise ship to Hobby Airport at the excursion desk while on board. This would be much easier and possibly cheaper. I'm not sure if there's something that's possible or not, but I wanted to see if your team might know the answer. Yes, you did a great job. Your team is very helpful. Keep us up to date. John, thanks for the email. So a couple things. Um, number one, I mean, Personally, I would rather, I would just do Lyft or Uber. You can do that as an option as well as backup. I believe, that's a good question. Can you book transfers once on board the ship as opposed to before the cruise? Because that's usually how that works there. I want to say yes. I mean, in every port I've been to, there's usually like the, the bus just sitting there and they will take other people to go. Um, I, I don't know for a fact, John. So here's what I would, if I were you, this is this would be my plan. I would go on board the ship. I would... Guest service is probably where we're going to go rather than short excursions. Maybe it's both. Who knows? Um, but one of, the, one of them will tell you where to go through the other one and, and get it done. If for some reason, John, they were like, listen, you, it's too late, sir. You, you should have booked it before the cruise. Lyft or Uber is the way to go. Um, you're, it, it's going to be available for you. 
we won't have any problems with it. So uh, just something to keep in mind there when it comes to airport transfers. I've done it in November, both ways, had no issues. Obviously nothing, you don't pre-book Lyft or Uber, you just show up and open up the app and you're good to go. Next, we have an email from Brandon who says, hey Matt, uh, big fan, thanks for all your travel help. Was hoping to find a 14 night transatlantic cruise compass for the Odyssey of the Seas. Ours leaves out of Fort Lauderdale and stops in Spain and ends in Rome. Found a similar compass on Wonder, but I thought I would request this after hearing about it in yesterday's live Q&A. I hope somebody posted. Unfortunately, when it comes to the cruise compasses we post on the website, it's pretty, I'm up, I'm at the mercy of people actually sending them in there. Um, but one thing you keep in mind um, as you get closer to your sailing, within about two or three days, the activities will be loaded in via the Royal Caribbean app. So you'll have that at least in the last couple of days before your cruise. Casey Hildebrand has our next email. My husband and I are preparing to book our cruise for 2024. We're taking a couple who've never been on a cruise. My husband would like a bigger ship so they can feel get the full experience. Which ships would you recommend? Love the show. I would say for sure, thank you for the email. I would say for sure the Oasis or Quantum class ship. So uh, Wonder of the Seas, Odyssey of the Seas, Harmony of the Seas, Symphony of the Seas, uh, Anthem of the Seas, all great choices uh, for a first timer. There's just a lot to do on there and, and it's pretty darn impressive. Next email is from Ryan. Uh, thanks again for the fantastic vlog and podcast. Here are a few more questions I've been thinking about as I anticipate my Wonder of the Seas cruise in July. Number one, as a platinum member of Carnival's VIFP program, I've been on many Carnival cruises, but only two Royal Caribbean. Does Royal Caribbean have cruise directors like Carnival's Matt Mitchin and John Heald? I've been fortunate to cruise with them, both of them, and a great cruise director can really make a difference on your cruise. I agree about that. Some cruise directors have more personality than others. I think Carnival's cruise directors in general are way more over the top with their personality than Royal Caribbean. Certainly Mark Walker is the one that I think of. Uh, he's currently on Mariner of the Seas. And if you like that, Mark Walker is your guy. Number two, when will the bookings open up for Icon summer 2025? We're hoping to cruise in July. We can book the Icon, take advantage of the next cruise deals. We don't, the answer is we don't know, but historically Royal Caribbean opens up new bookings to the Caribbean uh, or in general, um, either in November slash December, so like end of November, early December, and then again sometime in the spring. So at this point, Ryan, probably not until at least November. And number three, when planning vacations, my wife and I like to watch restaurant reviews on YouTube for places we're interested in eating at. I've looked at your channel and don't see any. Do you have any another channel with dining reviews for Royal Caribbean restaurants or can recommend a channel? Hope you're having an amazing week. Right, thanks for the email. Um, no, we don't have like specific dining reviews. We've we've done this on the blog, not in the podcast or not on the YouTube channel. Like when Mason Jar opened up, we did a review of that. We've done reviews of Wonderland. When there's a brand new concept, we will usually do, we'll definitely do a written review on royalcreamblog.com. Beyond that, we don't really get into that. Number one, I'm not a food critic. I don't pretend to be a food critic. I'm barely a cruise critic at this point. <laughs> Lowercase cruise critic, you know what I mean? Not the website. Anyway, um, I, you know, my opinion is just my opinion. And when it comes to food, it is so subjective. I always use this example, like, you know, broccoli, right? Just in general, it doesn't matter how it's prepared. Like half the people listening to this podcast hate broccoli and half the people love broccoli. So it's like, even if I sit here and tell you broccoli is amazing and go on and on and on and on and show you how great broccoli looks, I don't think I'm really changing anybody's mind about broccoli. So that, from that standpoint, it's just hard to do those kind of reviews. So the the best we do, Ryan, is we do kind of, when we do our walkthrough video tours of a ship, you know, we'll say here's Chop's Grill and here's some of the things they have over here. But beyond that, we don't get much more beyond that because it's just a little too much. It's too subjective. And uh, I'm just, I'm definitely not the person to be doing those kinds of things. I'm not a former chef. I'm not a food critic. I'm not a, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's not, it's not in my wheelhouse, certainly. Um, but there may be other reviews out there. I, I don't know. Um, so keep checking out there, but 
yeah, when there's new concepts that come out, Ryan will definitely be covering those things. Certainly on the blog and like the last couple of restaurants, whether it's Forside Barbecue, Mason Jar, Wonderland, we have reviews of that over at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Ryan, thank you so much for the email. Thank you everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If I can answer your emails, you can always email them to Matt, M-A-C-C, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.